You're listening to episode 79 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and let's stay connected on social media. You can follow me using the handle at KellerThinks across all platforms. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Welcome to this week's episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're joining for the very first time, I want to especially welcome you to the show. This is all about conversations that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and help you fight for brilliance in your life so that you can live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And right now I'm doing a short series called Courage to Believe in You. And whether or not (laughs) you needed this series, I feel like I needed it here as, as I am at this point a month into the new year. And just needing that reinforcement to believe in what I know is right and meaningful for my life. And so behind the scenes here, I'm taking steps and this has been something that's challenged me personally. And so I hope that it's something that's helping you as well in your life. And the first week of the the series, we talked about the foundation of self-belief. And this week, I'm going to talk about the barriers of belief and the things that are keeping us from believing in ourselves and having the courage to fully believe in ourselves. And so with that, let's get right into this week's episode. Last week, I kicked off the series, Courage to Believe in You. And in the first episode, I talked about the foundation for believing in yourself. I shared with you the concept of having a statement of courage, which is something that I'm going to expand and talk about uh, next week in episode 80. I talked about how learning to love yourself well really is at the core of self-belief. And then I used Ralph Waldo Emerson's book, Self-Reliance, sort of as a textbook to share probably three main things. One would have just been the overall tone of what it sounds like to have the courage to fully believe in yourself and then really just lay the foundation for why we need to have self-belief as a foundation if we hope to have a meaningful life. And then secondly, I shared why Emerson's writings on self-reliance help show us that self-belief is not the same as being self-centered and being selfish. And then lastly, by looking at Emerson's writings, we were able to see that self-belief or uh, self-reliance, that doesn't mean that you don't believe in someone or something greater. So if you have not had a chance to listen to that, I'd highly recommend that you go back and listen to episode 78. Uh, The concepts in it are important, but I think also what it'll do is really just give you context around what I'm talking about. And even if you don't go back and listen to that at all, I think what's important for me is that as you're listening to this series and inside of this episode even, I think it's just important that we all kind of align behind at least a, uh, I guess, bare minimum here, baseline sort of idea of what this is that we're talking about. And so I think that baseline for self-belief would be this. Self-belief is not self-centered. I want you to keep that in your mind that we're not talking about living a selfish life at all. And especially if you go back and listen to episode 78, I think that you'll hear it. But I think the other part that I really want to help reinforce is this. This is not optional. Self-belief is essential. I've seen firsthand in my own life that the view that I have of myself directly impacts how I view others. The way I love myself will show up in the way that I'm able to love others. Even my ability to believe that life has something good for me is going to be influenced directly by my belief that I am deserving of good things in my life. If I doubt myself, I believe I doubt my maker. If I don't know how to love myself well, 
I believe I don't know how to give love well either. Having the courage to believe in yourself is a commitment to show up the best that you can in the truest form in every area of your life. The courage to believe in yourself is essential. This week, I want to talk about what gets in the way of fully believing in ourselves because it doesn't matter what I say on this podcast. It doesn't matter what quotes you hear that are out there to inspire you to believe in yourself. None of it will matter if we can't see and get past what's keeping us from fully believing in ourselves. And I believe that for most of us, we lack belief. We do not lack desires for our life. We do not lack dreams for our life. But what's happened is we've made it common to see our dreams, to see our desires as a luxury rather than the essential intent for our lives. And I'm going to unpack that in just a second. But our dreams and desires matter. And I think that oftentimes the dismissal of our dreams and desires is often just a byproduct of our lack of belief in ourselves. And the reason that it's important to pay attention to dreams and desires is because I think that it's possible that our dreams and desires are there acting as the voice of intuition inside of each of us. Emerson in Self-Reliance, he wrote, I will so trust that what is deep is holy, that I will do strongly before the sun and the moon, whatever inly rejoices me and the heart appoints. I will so trust that what is deep is holy. I love that. And do what the heart appoints. You know, he's talking about that intuition, that feeling, that deep desire that we have inside of our hearts and our minds, those desires and dreams that we have that we can't let go of. That is what I believe is what the heart appoints. And I can really connect with that because as I learned to fully believe in myself and have the courage to do so, I found that what happens is my head is often trying to make sense of these dreams and desires and the the times that I feel like I, I get a vision and a glimpse for something that could be meaningful in my life to pursue. It's like almost by default, doubt creeps in and I go into doubt mode and I start to discount my dreams and discount the desires that I have and ignore them maybe because I can't make sense of them. And doubt gets the upper hand. And instead of me choosing to follow those things that are warming my heart, that make me feel like this is the right thing for me, that intuition, that following, that feeling that I have, instead of going toward those things, doubt gets the upper hand. And that's sad. I feel like that happens for a lot of us. And I feel like what Emerson is talking about when he's talking about trusting what is deep inside of us, what's deep inside of us is a, a storehouse. I think of a lot of dreams, a lot of desires. And unfortunately for a lot of us, we've buried them underneath layers of self doubt. And we haven't had the courage to believe in ourselves, to follow that intuition. And we've put the the dreams and desires that we have into this category that says these are luxuries that we'll pursue if the timing's right, or we would have done this if we would have had more resources or had more time, or if we didn't have obligations and responsibilities that we have. We would pursue these dreams and these desires. We would follow this intuition if it would make more sense. But what makes sense immediately is often just comfort and conformity in disguise. And to have the courage to believe in yourself means that you're going to have to gamble on what makes sense later and what might not make any sense ever. And our dreams and our desires become essential when we have the courage to believe in ourselves and they're no longer a luxury to pursue if life affords the opportunity. We can't afford not to give them attention. We can't afford not to notice them and to try to listen to them because our dreams and our desires, like I said, are that sound of intuition 
that I believe lead us toward the intent for our life. So we have to learn to listen to them. We have to give them attention. We have to take them seriously. And in Emerson's words, trust what the heart appoints. But the reality is all of that sounds great. And I'm sure you probably even agree. Yes, let's follow that intuition. But for you, for me, there is a lot of stuff that gets in the way uh, from making that something that we're able to do sometimes. And what I want to do is talk about that. And at the risk of being a reductionist, I think it can be summed up in two things, comfort and security. Now, there are a lot of dimensions to that, and I'm going to unpack some of that inside of this episode, but I really do think it's possible that what really gets in the way is comfort and security. You know, choosing to believe in ourselves can be hard because what's at stake could be losing the comfort and security of relationships. What's at stake could be losing the comfort and security of maybe an inherited identity in the form of something professionally in your life, maybe spiritually or financially. You know, what's at stake when you choose to have the courage to believe in yourself could be losing the comfort and security in status that you have. Maybe you've been successful or even maybe you're just in a status of maintenance mode and you've been able to get by for a while without having a lot of extreme highs and lows. And there's even security in that that's at stake of losing. And especially if you're somebody who has experienced a lot of major loss in the past, especially from uh, following that intuition, it's it's hard to let go of even that comfort, that maintenance mode and the security that comes with that. And so what is important for us to know is that and identify is that is part of it. Yes, we are compromising our comfort. We are compromising our security when we choose to have the courage to believe in ourselves because the courage to believe in yourself is often an exchange of comfort and security for challenge and uncertainty. And that's tough, but beyond that, everything else I feel like just becomes a reason, you know, a justification for why. This doesn't make sense for you to follow that intuition. And I love what um, Bernard Roth writes about. And he's, he wrote this in The Achievement Habit. And he has one of the most profound statements that you'll ever hear for your life. And it's this. He said, reasons are bullshit. <laughs> That's it. It's true. It's direct. And I couldn't agree more. You know, we will believe what we want to believe. I can think of so many different things in my own life where uh, I just was able to come up with reasons why not to do something, whether it was timing or other things. It was, there was always a reason. And I was able to make it make sense <laughs> for myself. And that helped me justify this. And I think consequently what happens when we allow ourselves to, uh, I guess, believe these reasons, what happens is we're just ultimately hedging our bets on a manipulated reality of comfort and security. And what Helen Keller says about security is this, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Security is mostly a superstition. So if we just look at it from a macro viewpoint, I would say comfort and security is what's at stake for most of us when it comes to choosing the courage to believe in ourselves. Now, what I think would be helpful to do is kind of take more of a micro look at what are some of those barriers. And so what I want to do now is look at six common barriers that I've identified that keep us from having the courage to believe in ourselves. And the way that I've landed on these six, because I know there's a lot more than this, is one, by examination of my own life. And then number two would be just from the years that I've had uh, through my business and the opportunity that I've had to sit down face-to-face -face with hundreds of leaders of businesses and nonprofits, as well as friends who have all entrusted me with their ideas, 
Uh, they've talked with me about the dreams and the des- desires that they have for their life and their organizations. And through those conversations, what I have seen consistently inside of large organizations, inside of small non-for- uh, not-for-profits, and really just in individuals' lives, is that these are six recurring barriers that seem to hold people and organizations back from choosing to have the courage to believe in themselves. And so let's look at six barriers of belief. As we look at these six barriers of belief, the way I'm going to kind of navigate this is I'm going to talk about the barrier and offer some thoughts on each of them, kind of some short thoughts on each of them, and then offer what I'm calling an antidote for each barrier. Because I I do think that in a lot of ways, each of these barriers could probably be an episode all by themselves to talk about. Um, But for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to touch briefly on the problem, the barrier. And what's more important to me probably from this episode is giving you I guess what I would call that antidote in that action step, like what's something that you can immediately do. And so I don't want this to just be talking about the problem. I want to have a solution in place for, for you as well. And so I don't think any one of these six things are going to be uh, earth shattering. They're not something that are revolutionary or something that you aren't even aware of yourself um, at all. But I do think it's important to at least briefly bring attention to them, try to identify where we're at in our lives and what one of these barriers or maybe multiple barriers here are what are keeping us from uh, believing fully in ourselves and having the courage to do that. And so the first barrier of belief is outside influences. This is true for business leaders. This is true for church leaders. This is true for Uh, the friends in my life, this is true for myself, this is true for you, that when we have an idea, when we have a a dream and desire that we want to pursue, something that we know is meaningful for our lives or organizations, it is a natural behavior to look for validation and to seek outside influences that would help uh, maybe shape the idea Uh, for sure, we're looking for someone to validate it. Um, So there's that, but we're already being influenced by things that are happening around us, the things that we see, whether that's on social media, um, especially social media, I would say is a heavy outside influence. We see this is the way that you're supposed to live. This is the way that you're supposed to run a business. And what I think has happened is social media is one of those outside influences that I think has created sort of an inflated reliance on others and and even worked against us greatly in having the courage to believe in ourselves Uh, because now people know what's going on. We post what's going on in our lives. And what if it goes against the grain? What if it goes against what's popular? What if it goes against opinions? And I think that is what is our greatest fear oftentimes with outside influences is what if the way we think, what if what we feel doesn't align with their opinion? You know, it could be sitting down with your parent and telling them, I think this is the right person for me to marry. It could be sitting down with a friend and telling them, I think I should be stepping out from this company I'm working at and either working for someone else or starting my own thing. It could be a direction for your organization that you you feel like you need to ditch a system that you've had and you're seeking some counsel from someone else that you trust and they have a different opinion than what you feel and believe is right for you. And what's important to remember is opinions aren't facts, or I should say it like this, the opinions of others aren't facts for your life. And that's important for us to remember because you are unique and we don't have to make someone else's blueprint for their life, their business or their organization uh, 
fit our life, to fit what we're feeling inside, that intuition, that desire. We don't have to make their desire for our life be what we choose. It's funny to me that the moment you share your ideas with someone, how quickly they become an expert on your life, how quickly they know what's best for you. And some of us have even had people in our lives that say, look, I'm seeing this in a way that you can't and I know what's best for you. And there is room and there is time for outside counsel. That's part of making wise decisions. But you have to live with the decisions that you make. And so it's important to remember that if you feel that this is something you believe in, this is something that would be meaningful for your life, to go in this direction, it goes against opinions. That's a barrier, but it's it's not a barrier that you sh- that you can't overcome because other people's opinions aren't facts for your life. And I guess the antidote for outside influences would be this: you have to first get clear on what you want and know what matters to you. All right, get clear on what you want and what matters to you. That's how you combat outside influences. That's how you're able to actually hear and see other things that people are doing and maybe apply parts of that without saying it has to look just like that. It has to sound just like what they said it needs to be. When you're clear on what you want and what matters to you, outside influences don't determine your direction. They often can just be uh, sort of a guide and can and help you think through the direction that you had differently. And for me, it's been that statement of courage. Again, we're going to talk about that next week, but I often sit down and I, and I just keep going back to what is meaningful for me. And I am constantly examining that in my life. And it's in the littlest areas. It's not just in the big decisions. It's in things that sometimes we'll just think are little things and we put this in the, them in a category of being insignificant. You know, I think of something like me deciding two or three years ago that I want to have a rooftop tent and a car that can have that on it. And I want to make camping part of my life with my son. And that's something that I had, uh, I had wrote down and knew that this is what's going to be part of a meaningful life for us. And People had opinions. Like, why wouldn't you just have a tent on the ground and things like that? But it seems like that's an insignificant area. But what's important for us to do is to to look at all of these areas in our life, all these dreams and desires as significant because they're pointing toward what could be meaningful intent for our lives. The second barrier of belief is unchallenged expectations. And these are expectations from ourselves or expectations that others have for us. And what happens is we inherit loyalty to expectations. And that could be the expectations of a parent. It could be the expectations of a boss. It could be even expectations that as a parent, your kids have for you. And what happens is we don't challenge those expectations because of loyalty and in serving others We don't challenge those because we see if we challenge those expectations, it's a departure from loyalty to others or even a departure from the loyalty to ourselves and what we're supposed to be or what we've been told we're always supposed to be. And what happens is we end up putting labels on ourselves and we, we label ourselves. It could be from religion. It could be from professions. And we believe that those labels now define us. It could be for me uh, putting a label on myself that says I am a runner. But what happens if maybe I need to put aside running? I don't whether I don't have the time or my body can't do it for some reason. Uh, A lot of times this is a little area, but we do this in every area, big or small, is we hold on to that label that I am a runner, I can't let go of this. Um, And we hold on to labels, but I also think that because of that, we're scared to ever become something else as well because of an unchallenged expectations. Maybe 
For you, it's your parents were both doctors and you now should also be a doctor. Or, you know, when I was growing up having parents that were pastors, there was sort of this uh, feeling that if I, I should maybe step toward things like ministry and we're sometimes afraid because of those unchallenged expectations, we don't challenge the labels that have been put on ourselves or the labels that we've inherited. And we're afraid to become something else. You know, what if I had a complete departure from the type of business that I'm doing? We get scared because that's not what I know myself to be. That's not what others know of me to be. And I love what Vincent van Gogh is uh, noted for saying, which is if you hear a voice within you say, you cannot paint, then by all means paint. And that voice will be silenced. You know, that is so true for the labels in our lives that the labels often say, this is who you are. You can't be something else. And if you have this desire and dream to do something else and be something else with your life, challenge that expectation by taking action, right? And that voice that says you cannot or you should not will be challenged. You know, the balance that we have to live with is being able to acknowledge that we're not self-made. And so we do need to give credit away to those who have helped develop us, raise us if they're parents, and those who have helped us succeed, especially when it comes to on a professional level. Uh, it is important to know that if you have been working inside of an organization and developed certain skills and knowledge that now makes you marketable uh, and able to even step out and do your own thing, that you have to acknowledge that somebody helped get you there. There is the balance there of, of acknowledging the help that we've had to develop us and to become who we are, but yet also balance that we owe nobody anything. We don't owe our boss to stay working for them. You don't owe your parents to keep believing the same thing. You don't owe your friends uh, anything at all to be what they label you as or expect of you. Challenge that because you can't stay a hostage to someone else's dream your whole life. Seneca wrote this. He wrote, burying oneself is not saving oneself. And that's what happens too often. If we don't have the courage to believe in ourselves, sometimes the barrier is we don't want to challenge that expectation that's on us, that others have for us. And so we can, we can justify it. We can have one of those bullshit reasons and say that I am doing this to serve others. But burying oneself is not saving oneself. And I would say that serving others in misery is empty. And it's actually a disservice to yourself and them. If you want to step out and start your own business or you want to step out and believe something different than you were told to believe, then do it. It's not being disloyal to someone else. It is being loyal and stewarding and honoring yourself. And so the antidote for unchallenged expectations would be focus on opportunity, not disappointment. What happens is we often are focused on how much we are disappointing others and how much we're letting them down if we don't meet their expectations or even maybe disappointing ourselves if we don't live up to an expectation that we've had and we and, and we just turn in a totally different direction. And what we need to focus on is what's the opportunity, not the disappointment. Well, you know, what could it mean for you? What's the opportunity if you let go of a form of religion that you don't feel is right anymore, what is the opportunity or what could it mean for you and your family if you feel like you should move away from where you already have close family to give your family a better life? When your close family, immediate family is telling you they want you to stay, you know, what's the opportunity? What could it mean for you if you leave that job and start that new business or career? You have to focus on you. The opportunity that's there and not who you are disappointing. The reality is someone will always not be happy with what you choose and someone will always be disappointed and you will not meet their expectations. That's part of life, but they don't live with your decisions. You do. All right. So number three, the third barrier of belief 
is past experiences. And this could be traumas. This could be failures. Um, and this is a tough one to talk a lot about, um, especially when it comes to past traumas. There are uh, just too many different things with this that I'm not an expert by any means to speak into. Um, all I can probably uh, touch on would be there's, you know, some devastation that's happened in my life, some devastating moments that I've experienced. And, you know, those past experiences can really hold you back from believing in yourself. And it could be something that someone else has done to you, which I'm sorry for the hurts that others have caused and the way they've treated you and what that's um, done. And I do want to acknowledge that that can be a barrier. Um, and I'm not going to touch a lot on, on the trauma side of it. Uh, the, you know your own life right now and maybe can identify that there's been some past uh, traumatic experiences that keep you from fully believing in yourself. They've bro you've been broken down and uh, your self-worth has been uh, ripped apart, which if anyone's done that to you, I, I am so sorry. And um, so it's just that we do need to be aware of that. Um, and, but that what, what somebody else has done to you, it, we just have to be careful. We can't let that determine who we become. We can't let that determine what we do. And there's a lot of work with that and it's hard to navigate that alone. So I hope you get help. I believe that's where therapy can be really, really beneficial. Um, on the side of, uh, failures, I can speak to that past experiences with failures. Look, a lot of things don't work out and that's just part of life. My son actually has this little app. It's a little children's app that has these songs on it. And it, one of the songs <laughs> that it sings is it's like, whoopsie do I made a mistake and that's just part of life. And it was funny. We were out camping I was letting him uh, have a little time on that. Don't judge me for letting there be technology out camping, but I needed to get some stuff done and could not entertain him. And so I kept hearing the song, whoopsie do I made a mistake and that's just part of life. And, and we were hiking later on the trail and he was just singing that whoopsie do I made a mistake and that's just part of life. And I, I was just thinking there is not a better message that, uh, I feel like he could be learning at such a young age because it took me a long time to realize that devastation, uh, hardship, failures, these past experiences that are not fun are part of life. It's all part of the big picture of our life that's being painted. And it, it, that message is something that I think is important for us to realize our past experiences are going to be a barrier for belief in ourselves, but our past it doesn't disqualify us. It doesn't determine what our future is going to be at all. And uh, what's important for us to do is change that relationship that we have with, with fear, change that relationship that we have with those negative experiences and, and look at them as informants and not as a determination for what life is going to look like. And uh, I think it's also important to remind ourselves of past good experiences, past success, um, the good moments that we've had in our lives and let ourselves believe that that can happen again. That success is possible. That feeling of goodness in life could have been what it felt like to be around certain people and have a certain community in your life. That's possible again. And so I say the antidote for past experiences as a barrier of belief would be this come to terms with the past and decide what's true and what's false uh, if you look at i went through divorce does that mean that i can't ever do a relationship well that's false but a lot of times we believe that past experience that says you failed at a relationship you see it as a failure you see it as now that means you can't do this right. And that's one example. You can think of your own things in your life, but 
the antidote for the negative past experiences that are barriers for us is we have to come to terms with that past and decide what's true about that and what's false. And we're going to probably do a whole episode on that. Maybe get one of my uh, smarter friends, one of my, either my therapist or someone else that is a therapist on for that. And I think that'd be a great conversation. I, I will say in episode, the uh, future episode with Brandy Wilson, um, it'll be episode, let's see, I believe 81. She actually talks a little bit about going through that exercise in her life as she was learning to believe in herself again. And so that'll be uh, in a couple episodes. But the antidote is come to terms with your past and decide what's true and what's false. The fourth barrier of belief is the wrong people, just having the wrong people in our lives. And I would first put the responsibility back on us. And I would say it like this, that if we don't have belief in ourselves, we don't know how to love ourselves well, and we don't have that respect and the standards for our own lives, I think it's evident of who you allow in your life and what you allow in your life. And I really believe that we attract how we feel about ourselves. So if we feel poorly about ourselves, I mean, we choose poorly. So that's why self-belief is so important and it's not just about confidence. Really what self-belief ends up being about in a lot of ways, it's about setting a standard for yourself, setting a standard for who you allow in your life and what you allow in your life. Uh, when you have a standard and that belief in yourself, what you're able to do is be selective. You're able to quickly identify and say, wait, that person doesn't give me energy. That negativity brings me down. I don't want that in my life. You're able to identify and say, uh, this person <laughs> seems to be a fire extinguisher in my life. Every dream and desire that I have they're not fueling it at all. They are extinguishing it, if anything. And this person over here, or these people, they are fire starters. They, they share this belief and we're co-partners almost in this belief in, in what I'm desiring to, and dreaming to do. And so it's important to have the right support system. We need people, but we don't need the wrong people. So I would say the antidote for the wrong people in our lives is you have to set a standard and choose the right people to be in your life. Protect your time, protect your energy, and be very careful with who you give it to because it's hard enough to have the courage to choose to believe in yourself. It's already, it's already a battle right there, just the concept of it already, but adding the layer of the wrong people in your life is definitely a recipe for a disaster for you to find yourself not happy, not feeling great about what you're doing and it's going to work against you. And so the, the right people are essential because remember, I'm not talking about uh, that the self-reliance and the self-belief is separate from community. Not at all. In fact, we need others and we can't do this alone, but it has to be the right support system. And then Barrier of belief number five is just overthinking. And I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed just how good we are at making things not make sense for our lives? And I've often just wondered, like, why are we so determined to make the, the dreams and the desires that we have, the things that we know are meaningful or could be meaningful for our lives? Why are we so determined to make these ideas not work for us? Why do we go immediately to doubt and why are we searching for reasons on why these ideas won't succeed instead of figuring out a way to make something happen and the biggest difference between successful people probably and unsuccessful ones it doesn't matter what area of life this is is that successful people are determined to make the situation work for them rather than playing the role of victim or searching for reasons why a situation won't work. And the reason why I, 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 I call this overthinking is we spend most of our time thinking about why things can't work. And it's actually more exhausting. Sometimes it takes more energy and effort to think about why it won't work. Once we believe in it, 
then we start to go into this vicious cycle of wait, but then what if this happens? What if that happens? And we start to um, overthink when we start doubting. When we believe in something, there's this confidence that eliminates some of that overthinking and we are able to step forward with that courage, with that belief and start taking action without overthinking all of the different scenarios that could possibly uh, go wrong. And overthinking is just perfectionism. It's, it's, it's control. And so the antidote for overthinking, at least this is what I've seen work in my life, is surrender the outcome and just take action. There's something about action without giving doubt any place. There's something about um, taking that action without overthinking what all the, the consequences could be, what all the risks are. Uh, there's something about having that courage to just take action and surrender the outcome and take it day at a time. And that leads me to number six. The barrier of belief, number six, is timing. And I think that first we can think it's too late. That it's too late to pursue this dream or desire for our life. It's too late to start making life look meaningful the way that we believe that it could. And we need to get rid of that idea and that belief that it's too late. And I think about an example. Her name's Susan Watson. She became a doctor I believe it was around 25 years after dropping out of med school, what had happened was um, she, I think six months into med school, uh, her and her husband, they had their first child. And so she decided to just focus on uh, being a mom instead for a lot of years in her life. And her husband was a doctor. And so they were living a a decent life. And uh, what happened though, her husband got cancer. He passed away and she found herself in a situation where, you know, she had a big mortgage to keep up um, and she had just decisions to make for her life. And when she was 50, her son challenged her saying, you've always talked about being a doctor and why wouldn't you do this? And so at 50 years old, (laughs) she went and set out to be a doctor and now she's practicing and it's just a reminder to me that it's never too late and there are stories after stories i think about one of my favorite podcasts uh, rich roll and he's got this post that i love because he talks about he didn't write his first book until all right for i think he starts and says when i was 30 i thought my life was over or something like that or 35 and um, he was a lawyer he was an alcoholic and and just had uh just was his life was not looking good. And um, he talks about then how at 43, I think it is, he reached his, um, you know, best, I guess, uh, physical state and as an athlete. And then at, you know, 40 something wrote his first book at 40 something, uh, started his first podcast. And he just kind of paints this picture of, it's funny how we, we think that, there's a certain timing for our lives that at some point it's just too late. And we have to get rid of that belief that it's too late. And then the other thing would be this, that the barrier of belief of, of timing would be, we often believe that it's the wrong time, that we missed our opportunity or that it's the wrong time and we just aren't ready. It's sort of like <laughs> having a kid for the most part, you're never ready and you're making up the playbook in real time once you have your kid. And and I think about that when it comes to making life meaningful. When you get that dream, that desire, when you have that intuition of what you should do, instead of dismissing it, because we think that we've either missed the opportunity to do this or we're not ready, we have to believe that this isn't the wrong time. And so the antidote for the timing barrier of belief, whether it's too late or it's the wrong time, is this, change the time. And I know that this sounds strange at first, but right now you're probably measuring time as either you have lost it and it's too late or you have missed an opportunity 
or you're measuring time as if it's infinite and guaranteed and then you can step toward this at a later date when you're ready. You have to change the time to now. And I know that can sound trite and that can sound like some sort of uh, motivational you know, speech here to say the time is now, but that's, it really is simple and it really is true. You only have today and you have to think like that, that you only have today, you have right now to step toward whatever is inside of you, that intuition, that, that feeling that says, this is what would be meaningful for my life. You only have today. The timing is right. The time right now is right. And so be more afraid of losing right now more than you are afraid of starting too late or starting before you're ready. And like I said, this sounds simple, but you're going to try and complicate it. And so I want you to think about it like this. If you only measure today, then you didn't miss out on something before and you don't have to wait until you're ready sometime later. You're ready enough and it's the exact right time to take action towards something you believe in for yourself if you only measure today for now. I know that there are more barriers than this, but really my hope was that you would be able to at least have maybe a pretty good starting point for you to identify something that's holding you back from having the courage to believe in yourself. And I never was a fan of homework, but I do have a little homework or at least a challenge for you. And I would encourage you to take some time over the next week or two and write down maybe a few of the big dreams and desires that you have. Uh, those things that you wholeheartedly believe in for your life, but you're not doing anything about them right now. And you're maybe scared to step toward them, but it's that feeling of, in Emerson's word, what the heart appoints and that feeling of intuition that you have that this would be meaningful. I need to step toward this. Write that down. Write down whether it's two or three of those things. Write those down. And what I would also challenge you to do is write down maybe which barriers you identify with that are holding you back. Um, go through these six barriers and identify if it's one of them, identify if it's two of them, wh whatever they are, uh, identify those, write down the dream, the desire that you have and write down the barriers of belief that are keeping you from having the courage to step toward those things. And then think about those antidotes for each of the different barriers and then personalize it. And what would it mean for you to take action toward overcoming that barrier? And so I would challenge you to do that. This isn't something that you have to try to hurry up and solve in a day. Uh, but I would suggest a sense of urgency and taking some action toward overcoming those barriers. And I think for me, uh, especially that timing issue has been something that is heavy on my mind these days a lot is that uh, there's a lot of things that I don't feel ready to do. Uh, and, I, and I feel myself being held back by that barrier a lot. Um, and there's a lot of things where uh, it could feel like, did I miss out? You know, even the other day with my son, I, I can't claim to be the most patient person always. And I know, especially early on, uh, I wasn't patient even with him in the first couple of years of, or first few years, probably. And in those moments when I'm not patient with him, maybe I raise my voice. I hate that feeling. I don't, I'm not proud of those moments. Um, and it, it can force me to doubt myself a little bit. And instead of having the courage to believe that I can be patient and it's not too late, he can still know me as being patient. And I think that's important for us. It's just whether it's expectations that have been placed on us, labels, whether it's people's opinions, um, the, you know, the timing, the courage to believe in yourself, like I said, is that commitment to show up in your truest form in every area of your life. And I think to add to that would be that the courage to believe in yourself is one that still believes you can be known for something else than what you maybe always have been known for. And you can keep writing a new story for your life, a story that 
you wholeheartedly believe in, a story that is meaningful for your life. And all of that starts with having the courage to believe in yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you're enjoying the series. And like I said, if you haven't listened to the first episode in the series, go back and listen to episode 78. And I would also ask, share this with two or three people. I can't think of anyone in my life, even some of the most confident people that can't use a little support system like this in their life to help them have the courage to believe in themselves. And so be a friend and share this with two or three people. A simple way to do that is text them a direct link or uh, even just screenshot the episode, share it on social media. And so many of you do that each week and I appreciate that. Um, And this is a community that I absolutely love and believe in. And so I feel like we're in the fight for brilliance together and we're together choosing to rebel against complacency and conformity and do what it takes to live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And so I'm grateful for you being a part of this community. Let's stay connected on social media beyond this episode. And so you can follow me across all platforms uh, using the handle at Keller Thinks. I probably spend most of my time on Instagram, but I'd love to even hear from you. uh, Maybe things that you thought of after this episode, things you want to add to Uh, to help me think through this even better, um, feel free to send me a message. I love to keep the conversation going uh, beyond this episode. All right, that's it for this week. And so until next week, I'm going to leave you with your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant.